I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Base Layer One. I'm really excited about uh, one because we have a huge thesis, you know, from an investment and also just theologically that it's really time for users to go beyond just the crypto natives out there and to really get to the 8 billion people around the world that, you know, are around using their phones and their devices. We really need to start thinking about how we actually do that. And really excited to have Asa Lee with us today, the CTO and co-founder of Privy. Uh, that is one of their main missions here. Uh, to make the easiest way for developers to onboard all users to Web3. We're going to talk about how and what that looks like. Uh, but as I mentioned before, what we'd like to do is with all of our founders, co-founders, they have an interesting story of how they got here, where they are today. Uh, and so we'd love to hear from you what you did before uh, Privy and how you got the idea for Privy and how you have been manifesting it. Absolutely. Before Privy, I was actually a self-driving car engineer. I was a founding engineer at the self-driving company Aurora. I started when we were, um, yeah, re really, really small. Uh, we were just a handful of people. We were actually working in this back room of a, a lumber yard with no indoor plumbing. And yeah, I, I was working on uh, machine learning, data infrastructure, computer vision, image processing, et cetera, to enable self-driving cars. And uh, during my tenure at Aurora, we uh, went public, we acquired Uber's self-driving division, and um, you know we were about uh, over 1,600 people uh, by the time I left. Yeah, and I, and I left to start Privy uh, to really work on my passion in privacy and on digital identity. And um, a lot of the thinking at the time was, you know, the, the really exciting work that's changing the relationship between users and the applications that they use online is happening in the Web3 space. Right. Whereas in Web2, if you want to work on privacy, you're working on compliance software. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I was really excited to be a part of this paradigm shift in terms of how people are shifting their value systems and rethinking what a user owns and who a user is online. Um, along the way, I met my co-founder, Henry, who was previously at Protocol Labs for a number of years and was quite early there as well. Um, and I think the the just partnership has been so amazing to bring to life both the moonshot, which is reshape how people think about their data online and who they are online, um, bridging that with the day-to-day -day practicality of the number one most important problem, hair on fire problem to solve is, is the user experience of crypto, right. is onboarding people to products where people can freely focus on product value and what it means to experience a, a amazing product experience from, from the beginning, yeah. as opposed to 
download um, a Chrome extension and yeah. learn about C phrases. And let's and talk about that. Yeah. yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. So for years, our industry has essentially forced users, new users, to go through a battle, you know, a Game of Thrones type of battle against the White Walkers, where basically it's like, if you really want to use this, you have to go through downloading of wallets, seed phrases, you have to mnemonics, copy paste. God will help you if you do not copy paste correctly and you send something to this. You yeah. hold your breath and you have heart palpitations and it's it's not fun. And for years on this show, I've been saying this has got to stop because we are a frictionless society these days. We demand on demand, essentially. When we go home and we put on Netflix or Amazon or whatever it may be, that movie or that show is on immediately. We're not going to blockbuster video anymore and, and, and you know taking CDs or videos anymore. You know, when we order food, it, it's it's no longer okay. Let me have my you know pizza place that I go to all the time. It's going to slice and seeing all the different pizza places and having that food delivered to me within you know minutes of me actually you know finishing that that purchase. We are on demand, and so for so long, our industry has not necessarily recognized that, but it feels that you do. So, talk to us about how hard that is. Now, one of the things I'd love to hear from you is that in 2023, the industry really started to focus on account abstraction. What part of that focus do you think has also kind of really catalyzed what Privy is doing? I'll get to your account abstraction question second, but first to talk about the big one, which is the massive amount of UX friction that has existed by default in crypto to date and our philosophy around how we're changing that. So I think that one big piece of our thesis is that crypto should be considered a an enabling technology, a piece of infrastructure, something like AWS. And end users today don't need to and shouldn't need to know about AWS, much less pay AWS, when they use a product that's built on AWS. And in a similar way, we think that the only way for the, you know, the the for crypto to become mainstream infrastructure is for it to be recognized as a powerful tool to enable product experiences that you can't have before that you couldn't have before. Um, but but solidly as a tool with its own place in the stack. And so that's kind of a, a fundamental point of view, which is one of ab abstraction, building the right abstractions for both developers and for end users, where um, for developers, this means building a tool that only requires a couple lines of code to integrate and um, is really easy to get started with and unlocks the uh, the, the potential of interacting with the blockchain in this very seamless way. And the second piece is, or maybe the most important piece, is providing that similar abstraction to end users, where end users can log in with some universally common and understood authentication method, like logging with email or a social method, and instantly get access to um, not just the blockchain, but the product value built on the blockchain. Right. And I think that that like path of, oh, wow, 
this product is amazing and I'm getting a lot of value from this product, whether it's restaurant loyalty or the ability to, um, you know, interact with creators and artists or send money internationally or all yeah. these different applications and get that value immediately as the path to being a part of the greater uh, ecosystem and then benefiting from the the you know maybe more crypto native values such as interop such as um data sovereignty etc you know we, we we think basically you know making sure that people understand that they're getting something amazing from the very first step is is um, how we think about bringing crypto to the masses right so i want to hit on this you you all wrote about this and again as i always do the show notes we'll have all the links to everything here so I want to highlight this because then we're going to talk about embedded wallets. But for Web3, this is your statement. For Web3 to go mainstream, we must make it easy to bake self-custody into products. Web2 caliber UX with Web3 ownership and consent. With embedded wallets, you can build simple self-custodial experiences into your app without requiring a seed phrase, third-party extension, or any UX interrupt. So as you had put it into yours, I want to, you know, so people understand why embedded wallets what is the importance of that the word embedded showcases that these wallets are seamlessly folded into the apps that you use they're not uh presented to the user like a completely separate product that they also need to learn about and onboard onto as a completely separate concept so we feel that the word embedded um, really represents that it's the product first and that the infrastructure is folded into and a part of that product's stack. The, the other part of this is that, you know, we think to date, a lot of people have felt this tension between user experience and um, uh, and custody and, and have decided to kind of pick one or the other. Right. Um, or, uh, or, or take kind of the extremes on the spectrum. And we think that um, user experience, custody, security, privacy are really nuanced topics where finding the right balance is one of, yeah, really striking um, uh, or really considering the trade-offs between all of these. And what what's more is that um, a lot of our philosophy around privacy and custody uh, in particular is one of um, configurability, progressive onboarding, and consent. So from the point of view of privacy, for instance, um, our worldview is that privacy is not about never sharing any anything uh -huh. with anybody, but it's about having control over who you are and what your data is and, and right. what your assets are. And it's about ownership, that you're uh, not living in a siloed world where um, you know your assets are always forever locked to an ecosystem or a product, that you can truly take things with you even if you get started in the context of an app to begin with. So um, our view on all of this is one of um, kind of setting the, the, the configuration that works well for both developers and for individual users and allowing them to progressively um, choose where they want to go. Now, again, I promise you no trip-ups here and no gotchas, and I'm not doing that here, but philosophically, because I could talk to you forever because I love this. I have said a few times on social, you guys can look it up if you want to. I actually said that the term wallet, and I said wallet equals profile. To the Web2 user, we all think of profiles. We have profiles on our, our internet explorers. We have bookmarks. We have things that we set and forget, You know, things that we go to all the time. 
We have social media profiles where we have our, you know, different things that we do, whether we're writing blogs or we're creating content or et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the word profile, in my opinion, uh, is something that I thought was a little bit more transposable to the everyday user. And again, this is not, you know, not a gotcha, but I would just because you're so far into this. Do you think the industry has done itself a little bit of a disservice maybe by just calling them wallets from the get-go? Or do you think that's actually not a good argument because at the end of the day, anyone who has a phone, which the majority of people do, has either an Apple wallet, you know, in there embedded into it, or they have obviously the, the you know, the comparison of the Google kind of wallet there too, where all of your things are hosted anyway. So I'm just curious, did the term wallet potentially, you know, set us back a little bit? Or is it just, again, that UI UX problem? I think the word profile is, it captures a large part of what many applications use wallets for today. Right. But it also is missing some of the power that a crypto wallet does have. It is more technically, a piece of software used to manage cryptographic keys, which are used to interact with the blockchain. I guess that's a mouthful for people. And so there's there's probably no one word that really captures the essence of uh, not only what it is functionally, but also what it's used for. And the difference between, I think, what a wallet adds in terms of terminology is the interaction with uh, assets. And um, I think that's a very core part of what crypto is used for today. Uh -huh. And so to we, we would be remiss to completely remove that, at least, you know, in, in historically speaking. Right. Um, I also think that, you know, words gain traction for a reason. And somehow this was a term that really resonated with people. And so I can see some reasons why. I would love to move beyond that though. Yeah. I think that one, wallets are not necessarily profiles wallets are certainly not users. People can have lots of different wallets, can choose different profiles, which may have different combinations. And I, I think that having a, um, a nuanced view of what a user is and how they consent and choose to represent themselves online is something that you know we, we, we hope to uh, empower users to do. I also think account abstraction, looping back to one of your earlier questions, it plays a, a role here where um, this notion of a user and uh, it is more akin to the notion of an account. Right. And wallets now have an, another functionality, which is maybe not well not well represented by their current name, uh, which is as a signer that can be permissioned, that can delegate, that can be used to um, perform some subset of functionality, all linked to this higher order notion or representation of a person. So I think all in all, like the, the term wallet is what it is um, in part because Crypto started out maybe more financialized, um, both as a pro and a drawback. Mm -hmm. And as we move forward, crypto is moving to a place where it is fundamental technology and infrastructure used to enable product experiences. And the focus is going to be about products and about what people can build and what people can experience online that was impossible before. Right. So I hope that the concept of a wallet moves to be something that is abstracted away from users where they don't necessarily have to know about a specific wallet or set of keys that they're using, but that they're using these products and also that they can still own what they 
build within the scope of these products. Right. And that's why, you know, with, as I said, again, the, the, the idea of account abstraction, the use of pass keys. Now we are starting to move to a phase, you know, in the industry where, and you all said it in your blogs too, that web three is disappearing. It's still there, but it's not at the forefront. A new user doesn't get bombasted with all of the web three isms that many of us have been used to over the last few years. They have a more simplistic, more sensical approach uh, it's actually entering into the world of Web3, using games, using social fi, using lending dynamics. And it's not necessarily all of this forced uh, kind of difficult UI right at the on the onset. So completely agree with you on that. Two other quick questions before we go. One, we always like to you know talk to our founders and, and kind of ask them what the the roadmap is for 2024 for the, the year going forward. You know, what are some of the things that some of our listeners should be looking out for from Privy? What are some of the things that you're going to try to introduce? And then for the founders who also listen to our show, and there's obviously a lot of them too, you all raised around during a very difficult period of time in crypto. I'm sure you know they would love to hear how that was for you and kind of how you all as a team battled through that and were able to prevail because that is not easy. Uh, that takes a lot of fortitude. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about 2024 and some of the things, you know, kind of on the roadmap and then talk to us a little bit about that raise and how you were able to kind of combat it. That sounds great. I'm so excited about the year to come. I think every year we've made a massive product bet. And from the very beginning, we've been working towards the 2024 product bet, which is global interoperable users. What this means is, um, or rather our, we started with Web3 is a place where we can shift the relationship between users and their data and, you know, and their applications online. Um, Web3 is a place where user sovereignty is the value and where people by default have assets that are theirs, that are interoperable, and that um, this is a place where ecosystems are easily born and network effects are also easier to obtain. When we started work on embedded wallets, we were really thoughtful about how do we get the user experience benefits of embedded wallets while also being able to promote and preserve a lot of the values that we care really deeply about. And one of the issues with embedded wallets is that your, um, I guess both pros and cons, is that your first experience with this, with you know, blockchain is truly within the context of a specific application. Mm -hmm. So you may not even know about mm -hmm. your wallet upfront. And the, the idea is that as people as like we want to enable people to take these assets and reputation and loyalty and um, NFTs and other things that they've gained within the context of a specific application and take it with them. You know, people should be able to take these with them wherever right. they go. Currently, we enable um, key export so that people can take their keys into a external wallet and, um, you know, explore the wider world of Web3 that way. And mm -hmm. in fact, we're working with wallet providers to enable that in a one-click step. So you can export into um, an external wallet with just a single click, as opposed to a slightly more involved import flow. But the, the step in between is, what if you can actually 
sign in with app you know, A and build a, a value within that first app and then sign in with app B and take your assets with you from app A to app B. Mm. You know, this is like the log in with Zora or log it's a whole, in with holy grail of or, holy grail of gaming also too. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And it's the and how do you bring about interoperability, which is one of the great consumer values of Web3 in a way that still preserves amazing user experience, which has been our kind of lifeblood from the very right. beginning. So that's our big, that's what we've been working towards um, for the past number of a couple of years um, and that we have uh, you know, announced our work on it officially and we're going to ship um, some really exciting partnerships around this coming soon. Um, so that's what we're looking forward to for 2024. Um, yeah, and then the the second question around you know, for founders, what fundraising was like. I think that 2023 was such an amazing, incredible year. It was it was a a real highlight to see not only can we solve a clear, obvious problem that um that you know that we have deep, deep conviction um that it's our role to be able to help uh, help fix. Um, but also that we're able to uh, shape the narrative of what is possible in Web3 and help set good defaults so that people can very easily build out of the box, but also very easily build secure, self-custodial and beautiful user experience uh, types of products. And I think that's the, the mentality that's um, kind of gotten us to see an amount of product traction that has been you know, really startling, actually. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons we were able to um, raise such a successful round. Um, just the um, the very clear, resounding product market fit, the impact that we've had on our market, um, even beyond solving such a, um, uh, such a heavy problem, but being able to shape where this industry goes. And, you know, I hope that we uh, basically get to use this round to live up to uh, a promise of powering the flywheel of Web3, that not only can we help um, support existing developers who are in Web3 to be able to build great products, but that new developers come into crypto and that we grow our industry because Privy is around. All right. Well, I'm a fan. Uh, hopefully everyone will be able to, you know, take a look. We'll make sure, as I said again, on the show notes that everyone sees, you know, what you guys have been building and talking about. This is a significant, we've talked about this now for 30 minutes, it has been a significant uh, kind of barrier to new entrants. You know, we can, you know, I've said this for years, we can't keep having the same people in crypto use the products. We got to grow. We got to get outside of the sandbox. We got to make it easy for people. And that's what you all are on the mission to do. And that's why you were able to have that raise uh, in 2023. So congratulations to that. Uh, again, this has been fantastic. Uh, everyone will learn about Privy and we'll be talking to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.